Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Swalcox. In this week's edition of Insight, things are on the up, but not in a good way. Unlike the floodwaters, losses and claims continue to rise, which apparently puts pressure on premiums. Is it a perfect storm after such a hard market? We have a tedious six weeks until the federal election, but tensions are already higher than Bob Catter's voice discussing same-sex marriage. And in the UK, AM Best are looking down at the general insurance market and probably our editor at the same time. Hello, everyone. I'm up to no good with Chairman Terry McMullen, Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh and Senior Journalist Bernice Han. Hello, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. The king is dead. Long live the king. Well, just temporarily. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning, Bernice. Morning. Have you been keeping an eye on John and the uh, events in the UK? Uh, Sort of, you know, virtual. (laughs) (laughs) And hello, Terry. Good morning. Will you manage without your partner in crime? Well, that's a really good question. He's he's already heading down to London to talk to Lloyd. So uh, I think poor John's arrived, you know, running, which is pretty typical for him. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so on to the main stories this week. Bernice, the floods are a focus again as losses keep rising, where claims are up now. And what does KPMG say about the likely impacts on premiums? Yes, um, so insurers have received more than 173,300 claims, um, according to the Insurance Council of Australia, or ICA, and that puts the claims cost at around $2.427 billion. So to put that in context, the 2011 Brisbane floods cost the industry $2.075 billion in normalised terms. So this latest floods has already exceeded the 2011 event. And KPMG, uh, in an annual review last week, um, we spoke with one of the authors and he says the flood will have an inevitable impact on premiums. While Australian insurers are protected for now by their existing reinsurance programs, the cost of such programs are going to go up. He says reinsurers are already looking up, looking to up the rates they charge at upcoming renewal talks. And a lot of the renewal talks are taking place as we speak right now for the June cycle. And what do they say about the current performance of the industry generally? Yes, so KPMG says the industry made a strong comeback last year. Insurance profit more than tripled to $3.48 billion from 2020 on the back of solid rate growth. And the results have been achieved with no similar corresponding rise in claims costs. A stark contrast to 2020 when earnings took a huge stand from the black summer bushfires and initial recognition of COVID-related business interruption provisions. Well, Terry, insurers made a strong financial comeback last year, but KPMG points to some challenges ahead. What stood out for you in their report? I think it was the the proximate cause of all the industry's miseries and challenges, which is is climate change. Looking past the figures, I, I think we have to accept the premiums are going to keep rising as the risks keep rising. And especially now that reinsurers say they're going after higher rates themselves again this year. So at, at the same time, the, the local insurers are easing their appetite for risk a little, and I think we will see some more developments in that area in the near future. So we should see some commensurate easing and brokers' struggles to get cover for their clients, but it's going to be more expensive again. Last year, the quarterly increase in gross written premium was was 2.6% across the board, but when you look at it and some of the, the tougher risks, the, the rises were as high as 
KPMG makes it very clear that the bushfires, floods and even cyclones are going to get possibly bigger and certainly more numerous thanks to climate change. And if I may put in a note for friends at ICA, Australia can't leave it all to the insurance industry. It has to do more on the government level to protect communities. 97% of national climate funding goes towards rebuilding towns after a natural disaster and just 3% goes to actually protecting them. So that has to change and it has to change quickly. Well, Wendy, Scott Morrison has now officially called a May 21 election, but political tensions were already high in Queensland last week. What happened there? Well, yes, you know, the Queensland Labor government a few weeks ago announced a $771 million flood recovery package, which includes a number of mitigation resilience measures, such as raising homes and even buybacks. And they asked for joint funding for that from the federal government. So the federal government initially said no. And then after a lot of, you know, publicity about that and frustration from groups, including insurers, they, they quickly uh, changed their mind, but they uh, they didn't do so particularly graciously. Um, the Prime Minister pointed out that the government had already provided significant funding and that the new package covered um, things that are really state responsibilities. And he suggested the state government was you know, playing politics before the federal election. But uh, having said that, they you know came through with the, the joint funding. Well, Terry, ICA welcomed the equal federal Queensland funding split that was eventually agreed and suggested there should be more of the same. What did you make of the backflip? And do you think we'll see cooperation on the federal-state agreements? Well, let me make the point that we're heading into an election and the coalition needs to retain its Queensland seats. So I guess what you're looking at is the backflip was caused by the fear of the backlash. Really, the the government had little choice if if it wanted to avoid the sort of criticism the Queensland government would have given it. And what's good for Queensland has to be good for any other state exposed to natural catastrophes, like all the states. Let's see what happens. Wind you up and let you go. Hey, Terry, back onto business interruption. There's been some positive developments for one insurer, while a lot of policyholders are still awaiting more legal clarity. What's the latest there, Wendy? Well, you know, Guild Insurance, which is supported by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia, has benefited from the full court decision on the industry test case. So ratings company uh, AM Best has revised its outlook on Guild to stable from negative, given there's now increased clarity around the COVID cover issue. And Guild, which, um, you know, was directly involved in the industry test case, um, had held provisions related to potential uh, COVID claims. But AMBS says it's now released a large, um, a large part of those. But having said that, you know, on another front, there are still uh, other test case matters where the appeals process is ongoing. And, and as we know, there are four cases where leave to appeal is being sought from the High Court. In, in addition, there are four class actions that were due to have a preliminary hearing in the federal court this week. Uh, but that's now, they've now been deferred until it's clear what's happening with those High Court appeals applications. So, Wendy, why have Guild come out of this on top when the other insurers? you know, are still pending. They were one of the ones in, like, there, there was, I've forgotten how many cases there were. I think there were nine or ten um, test case matters, right? Theirs was one of them, and their case isn't being appealed. 
So perhaps for them, the process has actually finished. Then separate to that, you know, they probably just had a review coming up with AM Best and this is something they've cottoned on to and they've actually apparently, you know, they've put aside all this money for claims and they have actually released it. Whereas IAG, for instance, has said, you know, we expect to be able to release some of our provisions, but they haven't done so yet. And they've still got two cases that are part of that appeals process to the High Court. And finally, Bernice, you also looked at the UK this week and AM Best has maintained a negative outlook on general insurers there. Why is that? Yes, um, so the negative outlook has got to do with a number of uh, factors, uh, principally the risks that the uh, UK sector is facing. The key ones are weather-related events and the prospect of higher claims costs as inflation pressures mount. mount. So um, there is genuine concern that consumers in the UK, like everywhere else, may cut back on non-daily household items, uh, such as insurance to cope with, with higher living costs. Like Australia, the UK is seeing increasingly severe and more frequent floods and other weather perils. So that subjects um, property lines insurers to volatility and the properties uh, property insurers are already in line for claims in hundreds of millions from storms that hit parts of the UK early this year. And in relation to motor insurers, the Ambassador says that um, it may be difficult for them to raise rates because of the intense competition in that sector and they make up about one third of non-life premiums. Yep, so that's how AMBAS sums up its uh, reasons for the uh, negative outlook. Is there any mention about inflation in their report and the, the, you know, the, the issues while the UK government are denying that inflation is an issue? The rest of the world is sort of coming to terms with it? They did mention about the uh, higher interest rates, which translate into more expensive mortgage uh, repayments. And of course, um, petrol is going up because of the uh, war in Ukraine. So there's a lot of tough times out there for UK consumers like everywhere else. Well, Terry, what should we here in Australia take note of when looking at some of these factors? Well, let's, let's not look at the UK market like it's the same as Australia's because it's not, but there are definitely lessons to be learned. The UK market, like here, is under pressure from climate-related storms, floods, snow, et cetera, et cetera, as Bernie's mentioned. And then you've got the rising cost of labour and materials, forcing them to do a balancing act with costs and premium rises, which isn't easy in a competitive market. And I guess that it's the competitive thing that, that sticks in my mind when we look at the, the motor market in the UK, which is about 30% of the total insurance market. In the UK, the, the motor market has gone down a path based on price so far now that it can't really afford to raise rates and stay in the race for customers. Much the same things happened in the home insurance market there too. The high street broker, which used to rule in the UK, is almost a memory because price comparison sites have been allowed to rule the roost. And it's been commoditized to the point where they've all raced to the bottom and now find themselves facing real inflationary pressures and no easy way to adjust for them, which is pretty messy. In Australia, the, the major personal lines insurers have always been very careful to avoid the price comparison trap by refusing to cooperate with the uh, comparison sites. And now you can see why. Very wise. That's the insurers, not you, Terry. Well, that's uh, everything for uh, this week's edition of Insight. Thank you once again to our panel, Terry McMullen, Wendy Pugh and Bernice Han. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. 
If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.